So glad to see you all this morning. Before you sit down, why don't you find somebody you haven't talked to and wish them a happy, hot summer morning or something. There you go. Good. Good funny the, the never mind it's not that funny uh, good morning my name's Kurt I'm pastor here I'm so glad to have that role and I want to welcome you all here this morning to our worship service um, stuff going on I'm up here by myself again because let me start by telling you the mission team the missions trip uh, as far as I know everybody got back fine some of you may have wondered about a couple of things you were hearing through the grapevine. So they did have a curveball thrown at them, the mission group that went to Florida, the youth group and many others, a few others. Uh, several of the group tested positive for COVID while they were there. So uh, we will look forward to hearing from them in a, in a couple of weeks. We've got other stuff going on. So, But that's why Dustin's not here. They got in at about, what did you say, four in the morning? Yeah, so they were back at church at four, at the morning, four in the morning, and I said Dustin could have the day off. <laughs> Isn't that nice of me? <laughs> yeah, so uh, we will look forward to hearing from them more as we go, but there was that curveball thrown in, but everything seems to be copacetic. Ha, nobody says that anymore, but everything seems to be fine, uh, and they're back. So, uh, welcome. Oh, sure, Van, whatever. Just kidding. <laughs> hey, I wanna, uh, I'm going to change up something here. Um, I'm going to start the announcement time by saying there are connect, there are connect cards in, the, uh, in front of you, and during the service, if something strikes you, you want to communicate with the office or the staff, the elders, whomever, uh, or you want to uh, ask for a prayer request, or if you're new and you'd like just to connect with us uh, as a church, that's what those connect cards are for. Hey, hon, hold up one of them for me just for a lark. 
Yep, so that's what they look like. So I'm going to start mentioning those earlier in the service. By the end of the service, you can drop them in the containers on the way out, okay, with offerings and whatever. So uh, don't forget about the Connect cards. Okay, uh, a couple of things just going on we want to mention to keep you informed about stuff going on. Uh, we talked about having this busy little spike next weekend, right? Well, in light of uh, what happened on the mission trip, their, their late arrival was a little part of it. Not really. We don't think they'll be tired for days and days, but you never know. But because uh, we don't know how the rest of this uh, COVID thing might sweep through, we are going to postpone the worship night that was scheduled for this Saturday. Everybody with me? It's in the bulletin. We had a worship night planned for this Saturday on the 23rd, but a lot of the people on the mission trip are also part of uh, the worship teams, and so we thought it might be prudent just to give ourselves a little more time. So we are, it's tentative, but it's, it's not. It's, we're going to do it on August 13th. So that's a couple, uh, two or three weeks later, okay? So watch the bulletins, watch the connections for that, uh, and it, it makes the, the busy weekend next weekend just a little less busy, okay? So we're all good. So we're going to do worship night on August 13th, not Saturday. But next week, as we said, we have some guests. Uh, Jonas and Lisa will be in the house next week. And so they're going to share with us about their work with crew. They'll talk a little bit during the service, and then we'll give them the whole second hour to share with us um, and catch us up on their ministry. We felt like it was a good idea. Uh, the timing was such that, hey, let's have an air-conditioned potluck. So remember, the pastor is uh, entreating us. Yep, I said entreating everybody to bring food for yourself and for others to share. I'm, I'm the control freak, like I said last week. I want, to, I want to dictate what to bring and all that, and the committee said, nope. The social committee's like, nope, we got this, so bring food. Okay? Yeah, thank you, right? Amen. Absolutely. So we'll have church, we'll have service, we'll listen to the Sands' second hour, and then as soon as that's over, we'll have potluck, and it'll be air-conditioned, it'll be marvelous, okay? So uh, next week, that's happening. Let me see what else I got here. Oh, what? Oh, my, my air-conditioned guy's like, well, you, you think it's going to be air-conditioned. Thanks, Doug. Appreciate that a lot, dude. Uh, by the way, my house, I need this kitty. Also, then, a week from tomorrow, VBS starts. And uh, I'm going to look for Renee. Give me a thumbs up. We're feeling good. You want to stand up and say anything? Yeah, whoop, whoop. Yes, indeed. Absolutely. Uh, if somebody were still thinking about volunteering, I imagine you would, uh, would take that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So that starts a week from tomorrow as well. All these things to be praying about, right? Also, but appreciate all of your, if you signed up to help and how that goes, we're very excited about that. Um, other stuff you can check out in the bulletin, a couple other things coming up, but otherwise uh, uh, keep you up to date with the bulletin and with our connection emails. Uh, Here's who we are. 
We are Bueller MB, this is our mission and vision, and we have been starting this practice. We're morphing our culture, remember? We're trying to uh, encourage and, and uh, share stories about what God's doing in our lives. So I want to give you a chance today, and again, uh, I know it's still kind of new for us, but we are talking about how you've seen God work, how you've lived out the mission yourself, how you've seen the mission lived out, what that might look like. I want to give anybody a chance today to talk about and share with the group anything that's on your heart about you, where you've seen God work this week. Anybody at all? I know, we're still getting used to it, a lot of you. Remember when the teacher would say, who knows the answer, and everybody would look down? You know, I get some of that from some of you, but it's okay. I understand. It's all good. We're living on mission, and we want to share it together. See, I know there are people that are right on the edge, but all right. Now, here's the deal. For the next couple weeks, next week the Sanzes will be here, so we probably won't have as much time for this next week. And the week after that, we want to get the missions group up from the Florida trip, So we, okay? So I'm not trying to uh, diss anybody, but we, we might take a little break from sharing. So, yep. All right. Hey, John. I just thought of something that we really saw God work this past week. We were, uh, fortunately, John and Joyce were away, so we had to fill in for them and give the girls from the Omega House to ride to McPherson to their home church Friday evening. So we had the, the privilege of being able to sit in on that service, and uh, uh, we know, uh, can really see how God is working in an amazing way through that ministry that the little home church there at the Women's Center was clear full. And just a lot of men and women whose lives have been broken and they're coming together and transparency and their, and their uh, stories of coming back uh, and, and how God is working in their lives was just amazing. So it was really a blessing and, a, and an awesome thing. Absolutely. No, thanks for sharing, John. Uh, as we know, Bueller MB has had a great relationship with Omega House and we uh, look forward to that continuing. So I appreciate your um, sharing about that. All right, I'm going to look one more chance. <laughs> you know what? I, yeah, I almost picked on you the other day, but you weren't here, so. <laughs> Puppy. Well, I think everyone saw in the connection that I had uh, no sign of cancer in my CT scan. Whoop, 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 whoop. That meets follow-up every three months with CTs, which I found that I'm allergic to the dye, so my feet uh, break out oh, and, ble and blister, and, but they're getting better. But the God thing that I wanted to share, I shared it with the gals the other night. I thanked them for driving me, but um, I have a, a Catholic friend that lives in my neighborhood, and she contacted me this week and asked me if I would get together some Bible study stuff and do a Bible study with her and her sister-in-law, who are Catholics, that they felt like they just didn't know the Bible enough from, they did in catechism, but from them, then on, and they want to know the Bible better. So I'm gonna be bugging the secretaries to see what we, I can get pulled together. To, Absolutely. Fantastic. To take care of these ladies. I love it. Very good, Van. Yeah, I'm, uh, yes, we are, we are rejoicing with Van that her scan was clear. She's been on a cancer journey and we, uh, 
We'll continue to pray for that, and now an opportunity for ministry. Good for you. Awesome. There you go. That sort of thing, right? That's what we're talking about. So um, we're going to keep doing this. Uh, and <laughs> I feel compelled to say, if you're wondering if Kurt goes off the reservation and does stuff Lone Rangery by with that, no, the elders are actually with me on this sharing on church. So there you go. It's all of our ideas. We want to keep sharing this way and um, seeing how God's working in our midst as we live out our mission. Uh, a couple of things as we finish this time. Uh, we had a service for Floyd Siemens this week. It was a great time to get. I just got to tell you when, when uh, I, don't, I don't know if because of my recent stuff or not, but when, when a memorial comes together and things are just really... Uh, the, the atmosphere and the time together is just really good. Uh, I am extremely grateful, and it just was for the Siemens family this week as we uh, laid Floyd to rest. It was a great time together, so you can keep praying for the Siemens family. And let's see, Judy and Galen, is it your anniversary this week? Five zero. Congratulations to Galen and Judy Bands. So remember, in case you wanted to remember the pastor's policy on this, if you have a birthday that ends in a zero, you got to let me know, and I will let everybody know. And if you have an anniversary similarly that ends in a zero, that would be a great thing. We'll share that with you as well, okay? Otherwise, we are here to worship together, so I want to encourage you to stand, and we're going to pray, and we will get on with our worship service today. Father, we're so thankful for your presence with us. We're so thankful that we can gather here and we know that you are present with us. It's remarkable and, and incredible. So we invite you here. We pray that everything we do will honor and worship the name of Jesus today. God, for stuff going on as we talk about living on mission, as we talk about how we've seen you work, God, remind us more and more and more and more of those times. Show us yourself. But as we've gathered here now, we pray your blessings on our time. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.
Your presence, Lord. 
reminded this morning that this chorus or this bridge is such a perfect thing for us to to repeat in our heads when we're going through good times or bad I will put my trust in you I will build my life upon your love it is a firm foundation I will put my trust in you alone and I will not be shaken Lord we claim that this morning we thank you, Lord. Be with Kurt as he brings a message from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.
Yeah, thanks worship team for leading us today. There's, as always, a lot of good stuff going on in there. Um, well, how are we doing? It's hot. It's hot. It's hot. It's hot. I'd like to go back three and a half years and say you didn't make this clear in the prenuptial agreement we had. <sighs> no, for real, it's funny because it feels like uh, in our, this is our fourth summer and this feels like the hottest and humidest of those. So thank you very much. No, <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, to Doug's point, my AC seems to be working at home, so that helps a lot, doesn't it? Hey, we are, uh, we are grinding on in Acts because we want to be a church that lives on mission, that knows what it means to see God work and that does what he wants us to do. Amen? Yeah. And so uh, here we are. We're pushing on in our study of the book of Acts, and we find ourselves now uh, at the end of chapter 8. Um, what we've seen to always keep us up, and remember, uh, I've talked about learning styles some and, and how we all sort of... You know, Kurt says the same things a lot. You're absolutely right, I do, because we want to get it in our heads, we want to get it in our hearts, and we want to get what God wants us to out of the book of Acts. And there's a lot of foundational, important things that I'm just going to keep saying again and again, because we're going to keep trying to live them out. But so what we're going to see here today is that the gospel in the church is, is it keeps spreading. It keeps spreading. So where we've been, real quick, again, just... Like I say, I know the recap thing just keeps us all on the same page if you miss a week or something like that. So uh, we are past the Jerusalem phase. We are now headed into Samaria and uh, Judea and Samaria and the next layer of influence and geographic sort of places where the gospel is spreading and it keeps spreading. So last week we saw um, that incident with this guy named Simon. We were in Samaria now. And keep this in mind for today. It's really cool to see how God started to envelop uh, the Samaritans. We know, you know, salvation is from the Jews, Jesus said. And so we knew that it had to come from the heart of Judaism in Jerusalem and, and with God's people, the Jews, where it all started. But now what we saw so clearly last week is the Samaritans, remember, not Gentiles yet. We're going to talk about this a bit today. But these lost sheep of Israel that the Samaritans were, and, and the very clear, clear message of the gospel that you guys are in when you trust Jesus. Yeah, Samaritans, we're all in this. So Samaritans, Jews coming together to trust Jesus, a marvelous picture. And that's where we left off after that little incident with this guy named Simon. What we learned was some of the guys that had been scattered, people, sorry, some of the people that had been scattered uh, were living on mission wherever they went. That's going to be huge the rest of the way in Acts, okay? That they just preached Jesus wherever they went. And we saw a guy named Philip who was one of the seven, uh, the deacon type people that took care of widows. Remember Stephen was the martyr. He was one of the seven. Philip was also one of these seven. And we're going to hear about him today because he has this encounter that is so important for us to catch today. So jumping right in, Acts chapter 8, we're going to be in verses 26 to 40 today. It'll be up on the screen as I go through it again. And uh, you guys sort of see my default uh, style and approach to this sort of thing. So let's, let's hear a story today, okay? Here it is. Um, turns out that Philip 
we don't know how, Luke isn't particularly detailed about a lot of the stuff, but somehow he gets a visit from an angelic messenger perhaps, or perhaps it's Luke's way of saying God's spirit led him, whatever, it's the equivalent is right, even though this says an angel of the Lord said to Philip, uh, some of these guys that I regularly talk to you about who are so much smarter than me, these guys that write commentaries and study scripture their whole lives and all this sort of thing, uh, they, they suggest, you know, Luke might have been changing it up a little, a different way to say, you know, the spirit of God said, go, whatever, uh, in the original audience's scheme of things, they understood this was a divine thing. And somehow Philip got marching orders. He said, hey, go, go to the south desert road, and uh, I want you to hang out there. And Philip does it. And we see then, so he started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch. Um, I do want to say uh, so many things I got distracted with about Ethiopia. Um, Ethiopia is sort of, in, in the New Testament, in this case, is sort of a broad term for that part of Africa, south of Egypt. Uh, I've wasted way too much time trying to figure out what all these guys were saying. Well, maybe it was modern-day Sudan, modern Nubia. It's not really uh, as far south as current Ethiopia is, apparently. What do I know, right? <laughs> But if you're interested in that sort of thing, it was the area below Egypt and uh, indicated a land far away, right? Anyway, uh, that's the Ethiopian, and it turns out that he was a eunuch. Um, now, I'm going to save some of this for later, but eunuch means what you think it means, <laughs> uh, emasculated male. It also, there's some indication that eunuch is just a word for a, a court official. Now, it's interesting that Luke puts both of these terms sort of together. So uh, there is some debate about, was he really a eunuch, that kind of eunuch, or was he just an official? Uh, you're going to see by the end, you know, that, that it may not matter, but to see how God worked through this. But uh, I didn't want to try to sugarcoat anything. Yeah, he was probably, you know, there's good indications that he was that kind of eunuch, uh, but he was an important official. And so much so that he was uh, actually really high up in the uh, ruler in the kingdom uh, of Ethiopia. This Kandake, some of, some of your versions will say Candace, and this cracks me up because um, it's just the way our biblical study and scholarship keeps morphing as we go. And Candace, see where it says Kandake? Uh, if you made that last K a soft C, it would look a lot like Candace, right? So, you know, it, these things just keep morphing and changing, and some smart scholar says, I think this, and so then he gets, you know, that's my guess. But anyway, the thing to remember is, uh, Kandake, or Candace, was the title of the queen, and so here was a guy that Philip encounters that hung out with the queen. A guy of, a uh, pretty important guy whatever else was going on. We're going to get much more to that later. Uh, but it's, yeah, the passage says he had gone to Jerusalem to worship. And he was on his way home, and he was in his chariot reading scripture. Um, I got to tell you, uh, when I've talked about this story before, it's always sort of puzzled me. It's like, it's the heat of the day in a deserty kind of place. What are we doing hanging out in our chariots reading scripture? And then it's like, well, wait, doesn't really necessarily say that. He could have been moving. <laughs> you know, he was, if he, uh, 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 one guy suggested that I read, uh, if he was being pulled by oxen, they were just at a walking pace. 
So it wouldn't have been that big a deal for Philip to actually run up and then walk with them. So I like that picture better. So get that picture in your head, okay? That the angel said, go to that road. Oh, look, there's an Ethiopian. And Philip, it, it, well, actually, it's the next, the next uh, verse. But anyway, uh, and the other thing is about chariot. A lot of times when we hear chariot, we think Charlton Heston, Ben-Hur, don't we? Oh, come on, you've all seen Ben-Hur, you know what I mean, right? But it's probably more of a carriage, kind of mix in a little bit of Old West with that sort of thing. Anyway, because there were probably a couple of servants with him, and because uh, he, uh, he was clearly a guy of means, having that position, he had money, he had ability, you know, he had means, and so he probably wasn't traveling alone. And the other thing just at this point to say is, uh, it would have been... In, in a minute, we're going to talk about what we think, uh, who, who, who this guy was, a little bit more by the end today. But um, getting scripture copies would not have been very easy for a guy that probably wasn't somehow a Jewish convert or proselyte. And so we talk about that. This guy went to Jerusalem to worship. He has a God interest. He might have a God fear, clearly. But we don't know uh, exactly, was he a proselyte? Was he a straight-up Gentile? I don't think he was. Uh, anyway, was he a part of the dispersion? You know, a Greek or other language-speaking Jew. So there's a lot of that going on. But anyway, here's the picture. That's all for those of you that like that intellectual stuff. But here's the picture. He's... Hanging out on his way home, we assume, reading Isaiah as the chariots moseying. And, and uh, again, the spirit says to Philip, hey, go catch up with that. There you go. So he runs up and he's catching along and he's just walking alongside this guy in a chariot, right? And it turns out um, uh, he, he's reading out loud. As I understand it, that's something that ancient culture did. Or maybe... Maybe, some have suggested, one of his servants is reading it out loud to him, sitting there in the carriage chariot. And Philip, you know, uh, takes a lot of initiative, and he's like, hey, dude, what, do, you, do you get what you're reading there? And then, uh, as they engage, you know, they have a moment. They have a moment of good engagement. And the, and the Ethiopian's like, well, how can I? I need someone, I need some help here. And so it's a great moment that God created, get to that more in a minute too, that he says, hey, why don't you come up in with me and we'll talk about this. So a really cool moment, he's walking along, hey, come on up, let's talk about what's going on here. And off he goes. And so then the passage that he was looking at uh, was from Isaiah, and here it is, I'm going to read it. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was, uh, sorry, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants for his life was taken from the earth? So this is a passage that's from um, Isaiah. And for those of you that want to, in your study Bibles, you want to look back again, some of, some of us like this intellectual stuff. It, it's not a direct quote. If you took your Bible now and went back to that passage in Isaiah, uh, it wouldn't be exactly the same. It's actually a, a more of a copy from what we call the Septuagint. And so uh, back in those days, a bunch of scholars got together and made this Greek version of the Hebrew Old Testament, basically. And it would reflect that much more than what we have now ourselves. I don't know, some of you wanted to know that. Anyway, but it's a, a great passage. Isaiah talks so much about the Messiah that the eunuch has a question, and he says, hey, who's he talking about, himself or someone else? And then, here we go, Philip, 
has an opportunity then to preach the gospel to this guy. Philip began with that very passage and told him about the good news of Jesus. Now, what we need to understand about this is that that very simple little sentence is perhaps minutes or hours of Philip and the Ethiopian engaging and, and talking together. Um, obviously, the Ethiopian had some interest. He had some desire. I want to know more. Tell me what this might mean. And that gave Philip an opportunity then to engage with him even longer. And so then, you know, our guess would be that he, he tells him the whole deal. And again, Isaiah, great place to talk about the Messiah who is Jesus, who Acts says we will be his witness, you know, so you see how this all works together. And again, the idea being that he, he lays out the whole gospel to him and that without it specifically saying he prayed the prayer around the campfire, he apparently became a follower of Jesus along the way in this ride in his chariot. So much so that he even understood, hey, look, there's some water. What keeps me from being baptized? And so, uh, again, my, my sense would be that Philip gave him the whole, the whole picture. And that if you really trust Christ, Christ and a, uh, the thing to do is be baptized to show that commitment, to show that dedication, to show that you're one of us. And, and, and obviously that was the message of early Acts, right? All these people trusting Christ and they became baptized. So here we go, and he sees some water. What would keep me from being baptized? Uh, I wanted to say, again, for, for those of us that like this sort of thing, you'll see verse 37's got parentheses around it. Turns out verse 37 um, is a, in some earlier translations of the Bible, of the New Testament, there's this verse, and it says this, Then Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. If you have an older version of even uh, um, the uh, King James Version or what, it would have that in there. Turns out, again, guys smarter than me that know these things, that verse is not really the, the manuscript evidence, the style, the, just the whole, it, it feels clunky in there. And they say, you know, we can't really, it's only in a few manuscripts. We think somebody maybe added this later on. And so... Currently, our particular version of this doesn't have verse 37. I knew some of you wanted to know that, so there you go. Um, but that's, it's, it's an interesting discussion. The, the comment is absolutely theologically sound, but it has the sense of being a little um, added later. And uh, again, they can't, they can't defend it well manuscript-wise and, and original language-wise. So anyway, so that's not there. We go to 38. Uh, this chariot stops. He gets out and he is baptized. They go down in the water and, um, and um, the eunuch is, is baptized. And then the end of the story, they come out of the water, weirdly Enoch style or whoever style, the spirit takes Philip away. And look at the end there. He appeared in Azotus, traveled about. He kept preaching the gospel in the towns until he reached Caesarea. And that's where we're going to hear about him later on in Acts, kind of where he landed, where his home was. So uh, kept preaching after this encounter. And it says, the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. And a lot of the commentators will say that comment about rejoicing suggests it was a real conversion. He did trust Jesus. The spirit came on him because he had joined his life a fruit of the Spirit. And so he was rejoicing as he went, and uh, um, 
that's the end of the story. So, for those of you that are good memories, you know that uh, I, I haven't done this straight up since I've been here in three years plus, uh, that I've actually like hit something, well, maybe around Christmas and maybe around Easter, a lot of the same things, but uh, I preached about this particular narrative uh, in our sidekick series when we talked about Philip. Some of you might remember that, okay? So we want to know today, though, what is for us when we think about Acts, and uh, I want to juxtapose some of those things from our look at sidekicks when we talked about Philip. Now, I don't want to land there, though, because I've done that, but the first thing for us is to recognize is to say, yeah, we should probably be a lot like Philip. Um, did anybody remember that word I used to describe Philip all those months ago? Alacritous. You guys remember my English lesson that day? We talked about alacrity and that Philip, I thought, was really alacritous, which means he was eagerly, uh, he was eagerly willing Kind of like a Labrador, we said. What do you want me to do, Lord? What do you want me to do? I'll go do it. You know, that's sort of Philip. And you know what? We could all be a little bit more like that. The Spirit said, go, and he's like, I'm there. The Spirit says, go up to the chariot. He says, yes, I'm there. And, and we all need to remember to be a little more like that, a little more alacritous, especially when uh, listening to what God wants us to do. And as the book of Acts is regularly showing us, uh, this reliance on the Holy Spirit can't be minimized. Philip was all about being spirit-filled and being spirit-led. How can we not say we want to be more like Philip? And then the idea just that he was, he was just straight obedient did what he was told. I guess that's built into both of those. But so, uh, I don't want to lose sight of this, but I didn't want us, this to be the biggest thing today because it was the biggest thing in the Sidekick series. Let's be more like all these guys, including, but don't lose that today. Part of the lesson to remind ourselves is we could all be more like Philip. The other uh, sort of basic all throughout Acts sort of thing is this being open and available to evangelistic opportunities. What does that look like for you? For Philip, who was leaning and relying on the Holy Spirit all the time, he was terribly sensitive. Uh, however that worked for an angel to tell him or God's Spirit to tell him to go to that road or whatever that looked like. And remember, in the section before this, Philip was very effective in Samaria. And it was all about being open to sharing the gospel. Remember the mission of Acts to preach the gospel, to bear witness to the uh, crucified, resurrected, ascended Jesus Christ, and he was all about that. Now, um, we have seen in Acts when Peter and some of the other apostles would preach, we'd see big groups come to the Lord, right? And a thousand, three thousand were added to their number, whatever. Here's a great contrast to remind us for those of us who, oh man, no, I'm not, I'm not Billy Graham or I'm not whomever, like we had that one day, you know, talking about groups. Uh, this is one-on-one this is -on -one evangelism, how they engaged with, he, with each other. Philip was open to like, hey, you understand what you're reading? You know, again, I love that picture of, uh, he's maybe walking fast, you know, whatever that looked like, but he... It was a one-on-one -on -one encounter, and, and we have to understand from Acts that it's not preaching to big crowds only and, and hundreds of people coming to Jesus. That's part of it, but this is also for you and me 
to say, what, what can I do one-on-one -on -one and have opportunity? I want to be open to those opportunities because, folks, they are God-created opportunities. And so look how all this starts to share, uh, work together in the scheme of things here that we're trying to do here in our church. So we want to hear stories about you encountering people that you were able to share with, you know, either uh, start, starting a Bible study or going to a worship service. And we've heard other stories other weeks about that's what we're talking about. And, and it is being open and available to all of those opportunities and what that looks like. Um, there's no... There's no way to minimize what Acts says about everybody who was... Last week we said, uh, it's actually in verse 4 of chapter eight, 8. Wherever they went, these scattered people, what did they do? They preached the gospel. They preached Jesus wherever they went. Oh, I'm getting... I'm, getting, I'm feeling threatened here at, um, at my home in Jerusalem because we're being persecuted and whatnot. And I might be displaced but I'm going to preach Jesus everywhere I go. Folks, do we have that in us? Do we have that in us? That we are, it's just second nature that I can't really do anything without showing people who Jesus is. So I think those two are important. But I think there's something that we don't want to miss today about this encounter. Um, because we want to see how God's purposes and plans are manifest and fulfilled. And I uh, I, I was actually praying pretty hard that I'd be able to articulate this as well as I want to. I want us to think about this Ethiopian guy and God's plan for spreading his, his church and his message of Jesus. And that's what we're seeing here in Acts, obviously, right? And I just love the way this works into his sovereignty. So like I said, um, if, if the... Ethiopian was an emasculated uh, man, and uh, apologies to all you parents, you may have to explain a couple things to your kids, sorry, but it's in the Bible, I'm not being bad, you know, um, there's a part of the Ethiopian that represents a particular segment of their culture, and it's a word that I'm afraid we're a little bit overkill on today, but it's so appropriate for today, that he, rec he represented the disenfranchised. Because here was a guy, let me, tell, let me show you what, what uh, Deuteronomy 23.1 says. No one, this is from the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 23.1. Oh, I think I, I put it up. No one who's been emasculated by crushing or cutting may enter the assembly of the Lord. Now, um, uh, whatever else we may think, believe, whatever, this, if he was that kind of eunuch, then he was this. And that meant he could have no real 100% uh, participation in the people of God because of that. Are you with me? So he was disenfranchised from God's chosen people, the Jews. But somehow he was still interested of, of getting to know that God. Because what does the passage say? He was in Jerusalem worshiping. So I'm inclined to believe that Luke includes this passage to say, we need to see how the disenfranchised will be totally renewed and restored and part of us when Messiah comes. Okay, here, here it is. Check this out. Isaiah 56 says, 
Let no foreigner, foreigner who is bound to the Lord say, the Lord will surely exclude me from his people. And let no eunuch complain, I'm only a dry tree. For this is what the Lord says. Listen to the word of God from the Old Testament. To the eunuchs who keep my Sabbath, who choose what pleases me and hold fast to my covenant... To them I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial and a name, better than sons and daughters. will give them an everlasting name and they will endure forever. Foreigners who bind themselves to the Lord and to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord and to be his servants, who keep the Sabbath without desecrating it, hold fast to my covenant. These I will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house will be called a house of prayer for all the nations. And then it ends, the Lord declares, he who gathers the exiles of Israel, I will gather still others of them besides those already gathered. Now, uh, we could, I, I, I don't have time, and I don't know that we need to, we could dig deep, deep into that. But here's the message. These disenfranchised people have hope when Messiah comes. And so Luke wanted to say, look, whatever else you might be seeing, this, this is coming to fruition now because Jesus died, rose, uh, ascended right hand of God and all that. And this is one of the effects. All of a sudden, we're going to see God's chosen people be, <laughs> be really included when they trust Jesus. This is remarkable. So uh, what I really want us to catch when we think about purposes and plans and how they're fulfilled is look at how this progression has gone. We started again in Jerusalem with Jews and the ones that trusted Jesus, they're in God's, you know, they're it. Then we get to Samaria, these halfways, whatever. I'm inclined to think the eunuch or this Ethiopian was something also uh, on the way to Gentiles. Not Gentiles fully yet. But that is the really exciting, hopeful thing we can't miss, that in a couple of chapters or a couple of weeks, whatever, we're going to talk about Saul next week and his whole conversion. We're going to take a little left turn, you know, to get God's guy, the other guy. Yeah. But then we're going to see Peter go talk to a guy named Cornelius, and he's really given credit as being the first Gentile that's converted, okay? So I just think this is a marvelous thing to understand that as God is building his new chosen people, there's a new covenant Trust in Jesus, that's how you become my people. Started with the Jews, Samaritans are enveloped in. Even this guy that represents disenfranchised, but terribly interested in God things. And he says, look, Jesus came and, and fixed all of that when you put your trust in him. Does that make sense, people? Are you with me? This is a really cool story when you catch that. I mean, you can't, you can't lose sight of, yeah, we need to be like Philip, absolutely great guy. We need to remember those, that's, how do we live on mission? How do we be those evangelistic opportunities, share Jesus? But look how God is working in this. And, and uh, if I were to make any halfway risky, only halfway because you guys know me pretty well, um, to talk about disenfranchised people today, it's still true. Whatever else we, we think or believe, that disenfranchised people can come to Jesus when they put their trust in him. 
And that's what we're seeing with this guy. And, and, and the other part of the, the amazing part of this, how God subtly, you know, had his plan. So we said, start in Jerusalem, it'll go to Samaria and Judea, bigger, and then the ends of the world. Uh, this is part of ends of the world, because whatever else we think, uh, the tradition holds. We don't, we, you can't prove a lot of it historically and all that. But here was a high-ranking official in this kingdom that was farther away, and he takes the gospel there. And that's just more seeds planted and, again, hard to prove stuff. And I was really hopeful I could make some connection with uh, the, the uh, Ethiopian Orthodox Church, but that actually happens a couple of centuries later than him. But seeds, right? He, he went far out. He's, he's, ends, he's past Judea and Samaria. He's on his way to ends of the earth. And, and you can't... Here's what I want for you to catch today. Just to see how God worked in that. Huh, one little encounter with uh, uh, an ob obedient, alacritous servant of his, and God sends, you know, a little spark that's going to spread the gospel to the, the edges of the world. That's, that's so cool. Yeah. So, here's my encouragement today. Um, I'm... Uh, there's a couple things I wanted to confess. First of all, to the evangelistic part, you know, um, I, I, I would be an absolute lying dirtbag to say, you need to be an evangelist like me because I have, you know, I have shared the gospel. You know, uh, pastors, I think sometimes we need to remember <laughs> that that saying: when you can't do, you teach or coach. There's some of that, you know. And even though I'll, I'll admit, where God has called me, giftings, opportunities, I haven't had a ton of opportunities like Philip. I haven't run up against a chariot and talked to a guy and shared Jesus with him. I've had some, I've had little, you know. But that doesn't mean I can't, I've got to keep telling you all this. So I'm not telling you to be like me, because that would be ludicrous. But I'm telling you, we want to live on mission, and we need to make sharing Jesus second nature in our lives and trust God for the opportunities then so that's one thing for us but then to see God's sovereignty in the middle of all this and how his his compassion his love for all people you know because you're tempted in the Old Testament to think well he really just loved Jews but now we have the luxury of living when we live to say, look how God is enveloping anyone who comes to him and trusts in Jesus. Do we believe that? Do we know that God's working? I hope so. And I really hope that these stories and acts are encouraging and, and ultimately life-changing to all of us to say we want to live on mission. We want to see God work these ways. And he's still working. He's still doing it in 2022 in Bueller, Kansas. Yeah. So there's a lot more fun to come in uh, Acts. We're going to see all about Saul. We're going to try to cover that pretty quick. And then we're going to see how we do finally get to the Gentiles, which is most of us, and we're so glad that the kingdom included Gentiles, so let's pray. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for, uh, God, thank you for Jesus, of course, first of all. Thank you for everything he fulfilled in your plan, in your direction. 
I pray, God, that we would know what it means to be a little more like Philip, that we would know what it means to uh, share Jesus as a second nature. And God, I pray that we would see your hand in all this, your sovereignty, your power, your plan. And God, help us, help us through the power of your spirit to live our lives in accordance with your plan. God, I pray that for all of us today. Thank you for our opportunity to be together. God, I pray now as we uh, part company that you would be with um, everyone who gives and the offering itself. I pray that you would bless it to your use. And God, for anyone who needs uh, your touch or prayer concern, God, I pray that you would draw near and let them know that you are right there with them. God, we're thankful for today and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. So groups uh, start around 11. Let it, I want to encourage you all to stay and uh, be a part of a group. And remember, next week, potluck. So don't forget about that. It's going to be a lot of fun. There are containers as you leave for offerings and tithes. I appreciate you being generous. And again, if you have a connection card, you can drop it in there as well. So hope you have a great day and stay cool. Peace.